Welcome back to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast in partnership with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. Today we are talking system basketball with Mike Ricks, head women's basketball coach at Birmingham Southern. We talked with Coach Ricks about his own unique version of the system, creating turnovers, good shots and bad shots, playing up-tempo, and implementing the system when you first take over a program. As always, thank you for listening to the After the Timeout podcast. All right, Coach, we start every episode with our opening tip. Uh, and for our opening tip segment, we wanted to really start off with, you know, you kind of adapted to more of a quote-unquote system type system, um, and uh, which is really playing fast and playing a lot of people and creating turnovers. So we just kind of wanted to start with you of, you know, take us through your journey, why you decided to, to start with that style and, and why you decided to go that direction. Sure. Well, you know, for the seven or eight years before we started running the system, we were a, you know, quote unquote, traditional basketball team. You know, we played a lot of half court man to man. We were a triangle offense team, um, you know, the entire time I've been at Birmingham Southern until we implemented the system. Um, we've been really, really blessed, even dating back to my time at the University of St. Thomas to have some really great post players that we would want to build an offense around. And, and so, you know, we did that when we got to Birmingham Southern and, and we, you know, seemed to have, you know, two or three of the best kids in the league over a stretch of time. And, and, um, you know, probably culminating with Emily Olson, who graduated in 2020, right. Uh, you know, the spring that everybody got sent home for COVID was the end of her senior year. And, and she was an all time great. Um, the second leading scorer in program history, the leading rebounder, leading shot blocker, you know, just an all program kid. And, you know, we uh, graduated her. And, and then as we were planning for the next year, we really didn't have another post that we wanted to build our offense around. And, you know, we had you know, talented kids in those positions, but not a cornerstone and the strength of our team started to become our guards and our forwards. And, and, and so, and I guess our numbers a little bit, we had a big recruiting class coming in and we, <clears throat> excuse me. We were sitting around the office <clears throat> at some point that spring, probably right before we got sent home. And we were joking about <laughs> needing to make a change. I really didn't think that, excuse me, I'm so sorry, that we would have a chance to be as successful if we would have played the same way. There were some really talented teams in our league at the time in Oglethorpe and Rhodes. And I thought that if we had stuck with what we'd done, you know, we would struggle a little bit. And so I've always been really fascinated with up-tempo basketball. Um, so, you know, I joked with my assistant, Alan McGowan, I said, you know, we should consider running the system. And we laughed about it. And then we left it alone for a couple of weeks. You know, I don't think either one of us thought we were really serious because, you know, like I said, we're both fairly basketball traditionalists and we like watching film and we like the intricacy, intricacies of the game. And, and um, you know, we kind of came back to it a little while later. And, and, you know, once again, it was the same thought process. And so, you know, this time we started looking into it. You know, the system, I know a lot of coaches 
Um, it's kind of one of those things that it sounds like it could be a good idea, but it's really risky and everything. And, 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 you know, it's fun, but maybe not for everyone. And so, you know, we called a lot of coaches and they were very gracious with their time. And, and, and we read the book that, that coach Porter wrote and, and, um, the more we learned about it, the more we found that it could be beneficial for the basketball part of it, but also just for our program in general. And, 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 you know, like you said, playing more kids, um, you know, a little bit more exciting of a style and obviously, um, you know, just drawing interest to our program. And, and so as we researched it, we kind of made that decision to, to go in that direction. And, and we presented it to our players and, and in talking to them later on, um, you know, a year later, they, when we first brought it up, you know, I think they thought, Oh, okay, we're going to play a little faster. Um, but, you know, we'll see if coach really wants to stick with it. And we sure stuck with it. And, you know, the first year was interesting. Uh, you know, obviously we were in a COVID year, we were very young and, and, you know, I think it was a, a as drastic of a change as you could undergo in terms of style. Um, and then Alan and I were still, you know, getting our feel for it as well. And so second year, we were much, much better, much improved. And, uh, you know, but it's been fun. Um, so that's kind of how we landed on that a little bit. Um, you know, it wasn't a decision that we came to lightly. And I think that, you know, there are still, you know, during that first year, especially there were moments where, you know, I think our kids were a little unsure. I can tell you the moment that we were unsure is in our first game. Um, we didn't get to play until mid-December and uh, our administration was, you know, we were one of the first D3 teams to play that year and our administration somehow, I don't even know how we did it. We hosted a tournament in December with, with five other teams and we played three games in three days. And, and so we, we get into our first game and we're down 14 to nothing. I mean, inside of three minutes and, I'm looking at my assistant and, and we're both kind of thinking the same thing, you know, what have we done? And, you know, we end up by about mid second quarter, tying it up and it's a good game back and forth. And I think in the fourth quarter, in the final six minutes, we scored about 36, 37 points and, and won the game, you know, 113 to 90 something. And, 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 you know, that was kind of a, a big buy-in moment for our kids, I think, and, and just for everyone. And within a couple of days, we had people, calling us to get on the pass list because they wanted to see what we were doing. And uh, of course I had a few phone calls from, you know, other coaches around the conference, you know, my former boss, Todd Smith at St. Thomas, because we really didn't share with anybody what we were doing um, at the time. You know, we kind of just wanted to show up to our first game, our first scrimmage and Hey, this is what we're doing. And, and I'm sure we caught a lot of people off guard and by surprise, but it's been a fun journey and we're excited uh, to get ready for year three. Yeah, just uh, show up and give a little surprise factor, right? Don't, don't worry about that, Scott, especially in that, that COVID year. Right, you know, a little bit. And, and you know, the the team, whoever, we, you know, we didn't scrimmage anybody. We didn't play anybody. And so, you know, if it's me and I'm preparing for a game to open the season and I don't know anything about our opponent, you know, I'm going to look at the coach and see what they do um, for the most part, you know, what they've done over the course of their career. Because, you know, we're all creatures of habit. We don't change very much. And, uh, and so, you know, in, in speaking with the coach that we played against after the game, you know, she was very familiar with the system because she was at uh, Greenville for a while. And, you know, so right away, you know, she said, coach, I can't believe you did that. Um, and she was gracious about it. Obviously, 
um, and she has a great program. But you know, we were we were not we were not trying to give people an opportunity to spend their summer preparing for us and and, and everything like that. And obviously, I mean, we only won five games that year, but it was fun just to do something different to see our kids involved. I think that's my favorite part is just seeing um, more players involved in the outcome of games and and being active stakeholders in in the process uh, of our program. So you guys led everybody, men, women, D1, D3, in, in turnovers for us last year. Oh, you're almost 33. Um, got a two-part question here. First, how do you, I guess, begin every year? You know, obviously you have your turners and things like that, but maybe even at the beginning and then now, developing that mindset of being that aggressive with sure. your players, right? Because it's something different than everybody else does, right? Most high schools don't do it, right? They're right. running this or motion or whatever, whatever it may be. Now you have to flip that mindset. So, you know, maybe even in recruiting, how do you, how do you develop that mindset for aggressive players? Well, I think, you know, it starts in practice and one of our goals, I think my first year we forced about 33, I mean, uh, 28 turnovers a game and, and we gave up a lot of points. And so, one of our goals going into last year was we want to increase our turnover number by five per game. And our goal has always been 33. That's one of our five goals. Um, but we wanted to improve by five force turnovers a game. And so we placed a really heavy emphasis on doing breakdown drills in our, in our press work at practice, like almost every day ad nauseum to the point where I think our kids probably got really tired of it by the end of it. But you know, one of the, you know, and it's, it, it's a constant, drilling um and i don't know if there's anything special that we do that we haven't stolen from from somebody else but probably the first uh drill that we put in is is a three-on-three -three lag drill where you know we always have we usually have someone guarding the basketball and inbound and we're not in denial of the front two people in a press and and obviously if people change alignments then we change um alignments as well and we work on those denials. This is a quick drill. So we get a lot of reps in. Um, we want to trap the first pass. And then, you know, one of the differences in our press, which is, I think, fairly typical for system teams is rather than allow a, a reverse pass or a, a lag pass that what we call it, you know, we want to take away the lag pass. We'd rather our opponent throw the ball forward to create pace. And so, you know, the whole purpose of the drill is to either work on getting deflections, um, work on getting a five second count, work on getting a steal off that initial entry pass, going to trap it hard and giving that weak side defender that opportunity to rotate, to take away the lag. And so in that drill, we're successful, number one, if we do any of those things as far as getting a deflection or a steal or a five count. Um, if we take away the lag and that person is able to throw it out of the trap and hit the person in the middle of the press, we still consider that a win because they're going forward and creating pace. Um, and we also, you know, in a five on five situation are hoping that the next two guys in our press are sitting on that middle pass. You know, our goal is to try to leave the furthest person from the basketball open. And so that was a big one for us as far as teaching aggressiveness. Um, and from there, we go into a, a three on four press drill where we give the defense one extra person. And so, you know, every time there, you know, all of a sudden you're getting guys trapping, taking away lag. And then that next defender is working on being an interceptor and anticipating, you know, where's the ball going to go next and getting steals. And we really try to challenge our players 
in those drill, and especially in that drill, um, you know, you're outnumbering the defense, the offense by one, you have four defenders. Paul should never see half if you're doing it right. And so there's little things that each person is working on in that drill, but that's another good one. And then, you know, when we were a man to man team, we always talk about being solid. I think a lot of man to man coaches are, are wanting to be solid, keep everything in front of you, don't take chances, don't gamble, because then you expose your whole defense. And in the system, you know, we're encouraging our kids to gamble, to take risks, to take chances. If we go into the locker room at halftime and we're not halfway to our turnover number, then our conversation centers around, guys, we got to take more chances. Hey, we need to be more aggressive. Um, and so we really try to, at practice, anytime someone goes for a steal and misses, to celebrate that effort because that's what we want. And we want those guys who are like, man, I almost had it. I saw it and I just couldn't get there. Or, you know, they lunge through a passing lane and now the ball's in the open court and we've created pace. And, and so, you know, those two things I think were really big <clears throat> as far as us just improving our turnover number. I think our kids being in the second year um, and having some returners who get it, um, you know, was big. And, and, and then, you know, especially you know, second year for myself, um, in teaching it and, and, you know, just seeing things a little bit differently after having a season in it um, was also helpful. But then, you know, we that first recruiting class, you know, we had already pretty much gotten done recruiting for um, that first year before we decided to switch to the system. And, and our kids in that, they adapted to it. That wasn't what we recruited. A lot of them telling them what we were going to do. And, and I think it worked out in a lot of their favor because a lot of those kids were on the floor. But just having that year of experience, I think, helped. But then the kids that we recruited that were freshmen last year were all recruited to the system. And, and we were really fortunate, I think, to have some talented freshmen who were athletic and quick and, and, and wanted to play that way. And, and so just a combination of a lot of different things. Um, you know, and, and I still don't think that we've even reached 75% of what we can be capable of in it. Um, you know, we primarily have focus on running the on press, which is the most aggressive press, you know, trapping, um, taking away ball reversal and so on. But there's other layers, there's run and jump things that you can do. There's, you know, just uh, different looks in the press that, that I think we struggled to uh, adjust to as we taught them. And then, you know, I think obviously, you know, from a coaching standpoint, we can do a much better job of teaching it and then giving them an opportunity to be in those presses more because the good teams in our league are going to figure it out. And, and really every, and every team in our league is well coached. So if we don't have another layer or two that we can get to, um, I think we're going to struggle, but I, I, I personally think we should be able to average 33 forced turnovers a game from here until whenever, if we do it right, if we're aggressive enough. So I, I wanted to do a quick follow-up before we move on to the next question. And, and the follow-up has to do with falling. You know, mm -hmm. I think obviously <clears throat> with a lot of coaches that play man or zone or whatever, that may not be as aggressive to create turnovers, you know, it's, it's contain the ball, limit the falls. You know, for you guys, in terms of falling, you know, for me, at least in particular, you know, we want to be more aggressive on defense. I kind of like when our falls are seven, eight, nine and a half, because it tells me we're being a little bit more aggressive. What's your guys' kind of philosophy on, on fouls? Yeah, we really, we don't want to foul. We foul more than we'd like to. And then, so I'll say this, you know, we really don't want to foul because we want to, we don't want to slow the game down. We, we want to create that pace, but a byproduct of being as aggressive as we are is we're, we're going to foul some, you know, we're going to, 
<clears throat> we're going to be in traps and we're going to be too handsy. Um, you know, we're going to be denying someone and we're going to be, you know, too physical or, or, you know, bump and run with someone on the sideline and, and, and be too physical there. So um, we foul more than we should, you know, our men's coach jokes with me that, you know, I don't know if he's joking actually, but I think their games on average started about 20 minutes later um, when they followed us. And, and obviously that's not something that I like to hear because, you know, we don't want to impact anyone else with, with our style of play. But, um, you know, as a, as a rule, we'd rather not foul. Um, we um, have had some games where, you know, we're 40, you know, both teams shooting 45, 50 free throws. And we're just looking at each other like, you know, can't believe how long this thing is taking. And, and, and I think sometimes that just depends on, and I don't mean this negatively towards officials, but the crew and how they're calling it, because we, you know, one game, like we've been in a tournament and one day we're shooting 50 free throws and the next day we're barely getting to 20 and same with our opponent and, and not really noticing that different uh, of, you know, our, of a level of our aggressiveness. And, and so I think sometimes it depends on how, how the game is being called a little bit, but as a rule, we'd rather not. Um, the ones that I'm not okay with are, you know, we've given up uh, the other, you know, the other team just got a defensive rebound. They're not even looking in the direction of the basket and, and we're going to foul then. Like we've already, con you know, we should concede pos possession and we should be getting into our missed shot press. Um, you know, the ones where we have someone 93 feet from their own basket and we've got them in a good trap and we bail them out with a foul. Um those types of, of fouls drive me crazy. You know, the ones that I wish we'd pick up a, a few more of is just being aggressive going to the offensive glass. Like I, I could live with those, um, you know, as opposed to a foul in a live in a trap or, you know, something like that, because that's probably our, our emphasis going into this year is you know, we have to be a better offensive rebounding team. I personally think we should average 25 off <clears throat> offensive rebounds a game. And when we talk in the spring about what are our goals going into next year, it's, other than try to win a conference championship, which is always the goal, it's lead the country in scoring, lead the country in turnovers forced, and lead the country in offensive rebounds per game. And I think if we can do those three things, we're going to be pretty good. So, but that those are the foul things that that, that we talk about. We don't spend a whole lot of time talking about, um, you know, we should be fouling more. We really should be fouling less. I think. So I wanted to get into now just steals. Uh, you were third in the country in steals, uh, mm -hmm. 17.7. Um, you know, when you're talking to your team about creating steals, are you talking to them more about creating them on the ball, off the ball? And then kind of what are the first one or two things you're telling them once you've secured the steal, do blank? Well, I, I don't think we've ever really talked about if we want steals on the ball or off the ball. I'm not really picky. It, you know, I'll take a steal wherever we can get it. Um, I think in real, realistically, we, we think that a lot of our steals are going to come from off the ball. <clears throat> if, if our, and, and this is why I think we can average more steals and force more turnovers. Um, if the front people in our press are doing their job, you know, good trap, taking away ball reversal, then, you know, you have two guys that are interceptors up there and 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 having these great opportunities to get steals and on film I think I think there's still a lot of opportunities that we're missing to get those steals either because we're our our two guys that aren't involved in the trap and the lag are sometimes a little too far back instead of really up and being aggressive um going for those next two closest passing lanes 
Um, I think a lot of that is just the human nature of there's a guy behind me. Um, if they get it out, we're probably going to give up a quick layup and so on. And so, you know, just encouraging those guys to stay up and involved in the play a little bit more. Um, so I think off the ball is probably where we're going to get a lot of our steals. Um, you know, we hardly ever get them, you know, just one-on-one -on -one with a guy. It's going to be deflecting a pass, you know, entry pass or getting a great first trap. And, and, and so, you know, that, that's the first part of it. What was the rest of the question? No, I would just was saying, um, you know, after you create the steal, what is one or two things you say to your kids? As soon as we create the turnover, we're in transition offense now. What are the keys? Well, I think it's evaluating, you know, what your numbers look like because, you know, if it's a, a steal, you know, in the in the front court and, and you've got numbers, we're attacking and trying to get to the rim or trying to get a three as quickly as we can, um, especially while we have numbers. Um, if it's a steal that's more on the backside of the press, uh, we have organized transition lanes that will run. But we also really give our try to give our kids the freedom of if you're a guard and you get a steal, you know, you don't need to look for the one, so to speak, you know, let's attack and let's see what we can get. Um, really, our offense is it's a dribble drive offense with some passing and cutting and anyone can initiate that offense. So even if we explore something in a two on one or, a, you know, just in any numbers advantage type situation, you know, from there we can, you know, flow into our offense if need be. So we really just want to attack while, while the, while the numbers are in our favor. All right. So let's, let's build on that offense then. Um, Obviously, you're, you're, shoot, you're shooting threes, right? You had third most three-point attempts, um, but you, you, know, you shot a lot of free throws as well. You're, I think you're fifth in, in free throw attempts. Right. So when you're talking to your players, how do you, how do you um, encourage that balance, right? Because sure. I'm sure it'd be very easy just to, hey, pitch ahead, let, let it fly, right? Pitch ahead, right. Let, let it fly. Um, so, you know, what are some of the things you do to encourage the balance of, yeah, we got to, you know, we want to hit some hit threes and shoot threes, but we also want to get put pressure on the rim. Right. Um, you know, we have our five number goals, two of them, as far as shooting, you know, the first one is we want to get 90 shots up in a game. And then we, the second one is we want half of those to be threes. So we want to shoot 45 or more threes per game. And so, you know, we're not, sitting there talking about, you know, a lot of mid-range shots and everything. But, and, and a lot of system coaches that we talk to are, they hate mid-range. They're like NBA guys. They hate mid-range. I'm for anything that keeps pace and anything that, that our kids feel like is in rhythm as far as playing the game. And so if we have a guy who gets run off the three-point line and, and hits a 15-footer, I'm not going to get mad about that. Um, you know, because the biggest thing is that we want to get a shot off in 12 seconds. So, you know, to me, you know, that that's part of the conversation. Really, our conversation centers more around just the numbers. And and, and so, you know, if we're if we're in a in a locker room situation at halftime and we've only shot 17 threes in the first half and we talk about getting more threes up, Um I think our kids have done a really good job of balancing it without us over talking it. One of the things that we talk about in practice that we talk about with recruits is that we've given up so much control of in-game decisions. Whereas 
before we're calling a play or running our triangle offense every time, um, telling our kids to slow it down. Now we're not really calling plays. The only time we call plays is, is occasionally on dead balls and we call those referee handles, but they're still quick hitters where we're uh, trusting our kids with the offense. And so, you know, we talk about the balance as far as just get to the rim, shoot a three. And I think our kids are smart enough basketball players to know that if they drive it and the defense collapses on them, that, you know, we can, we should be able to drive and kick and, and get an open shot. And, and so, you know, maybe we should talk about that more, but you know, offensively, I feel like we've done okay the first two years. And as far as putting up points and, and everybody kind of understanding, and then it's some kids playing to their strengths. You know, we've got a few guys that, man, if you're open for three, we want you to shoot it every time you touch it. We've got a few that, you know, are stronger drivers and they know that. And, and I think that there are opportunities to get to the rim or are, are there if we drive and kick once or twice. And, and then it's just about trusting those guys with the decisions that they make. And we feel pretty confident about that. You know, one of the other things that I, I can't remember if we led the country in or we were close to was our turnover margin. And which to me says we're playing over a hundred possessions per game, you know, to have the best turnover margin, you know, to me says something about the, the way our kids are able to control the game um, and make those decisions on their own. And, and you know, we did this, you know, with one senior the first year and two seniors this year. So we've been extremely young and to have them be able to do that. Um, I'm confident in going through that process with, with them as they get older and older um, to trust them with that. And, and, and so it's been fun to watch and, and, to give them that control has been, you know, something that you know, I have certainly had to get used to, but I think that's a big part of it. Um, as far as speed is I don't want them to overthink it. If they're open, I want them to shoot it. And if they have a chance to rack it, I want them to rack it. But we really try as a rule, not to give them too much to think about because that, that was one, one of the things about our change is when we were running, running triangle and, you know, triangle, it can be a pretty complex offense. You could see certain kids, um, in that offense, just slow down because the wheels are turning and they're trying to remember what they're supposed to do next. I throw it here. Okay. I've got to go screen here and, and I can slip or I can pop out or I can do all of these things. And, and it just slows them down. And so we want the game to be instinctual for our players and, and we want for them to trust their instincts. And so there's a lot of times where we'll have a couple of possessions in a row that just aren't very good. And I think that's part of the process of letting them grow and and learn how to do that on their own without the coach calling plays and putting them in spots all the time. So I, I want to build on that a little bit because I was having a conversation uh, with another coach this summer uh, just about playing fast. And, you know, I, I, he was watching us play and he actually said, he goes, you don't really say very much. And I said, you know, it's because I don't want them just constantly hearing me and I want them to make quicker decisions. You know, in your opinion, why do you feel like, a lot of coaches have been, have trouble giving up some of that control. I know I did when I first started kind of playing quick. I am sure you did as well. You know, what, what do you think builds off of that? Uh, well, I don't know if I can speak for other coaches, but I know for me, um, you know, I felt like, you know, that's kind of how I grew up doing it and how I came up coaching doing it. Um, and, you know, we had some success playing that way. You know, we won a couple of, uh, conference championships we went to the ncaa tournament and and you know it's just it's kind of how basketball is right for the most part maybe not in the pros as much but in college and 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 certainly 
I'm in high school, you know, I don't know. I think for when I was younger, it's probably I wanted to show how much I knew as far as, as running offense and everything. And the older that I got, you know, you could see where when, th when things broke down, you know, you're struggling to get a shot off and you're, you know, forcing something up with four seconds on the shot clock and, and everything. And so for, and, and then, you know, I have an OCD guy. I like to be in control of a lot. Um, so for me, I know that's one of the reasons why it was a challenge. Um, I thought it was going to be a bigger challenge than it was. Uh, maybe because I was just enjoying um, doing something different and watching our kids do something different. So, you know, for me, it was just, it's just because that's kind of what I was used to and what I was taught. And, and, and I think giving up control anytime like that is and can be scary for, for coaches because, and we're sitting here, you know, you got to win a little bit if you want to keep your job, probably, um, you know, you want, you know, you don't want the score to get lopsided and, and certainly not, you know, when it's not in your favor. And, and, and so, you know, all of those things, you know, when you're coaching every possession and calling plays, you know, you can, you can somewhat, you know, control, um, but you're really giving it up when you play like we play and it can go a lot of different ways. But I think that's where our kids are developing more as players and developing quicker because of those opportunities to grow. And, and we don't find ourselves stuck at the end of a, uh, at the end of a shot clock anymore. Well, we wouldn't, but we, we find ourselves able to get good shots and quality shots on almost every possession. So obviously you've talked about pace a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and again, it's different than a lot of, especially you said you mentioned you have a young team. So when you're talking about your, your off the court strength and conditioning, um, is, is there certain benchmarks you're looking for? How do you help your players prepare for that pace? And that's sure. obviously you're subbing and doing that, but you still need a certain level of conditioning to, to go at the pace and, and create the pace you want. So right. what are some of the things you're doing? off the court to help your players prepare for that style sure well you know we have a really good strength coach um in jim hamner and he does a great job with the kids um in the preseason we we you know we give summer workout packets to our kids and and a byproduct of the system i think and when you have you know 15 players that are getting quality minutes in games is our our work our and during non-required times has gone up because our players know, like, I'm part of it. And, and, and so we, when we're in school, we see more kids that are in the gym getting shots. And they're telling us, hey, coach, I'm doing my summer workouts and asking us questions about the summer workouts. And, and that involves, you know, shooting and lifting and running. Um, we, I think they know that if they're not fit, they can't play. Um, so we're not just throwing any 15 out there. If you can't sustain your effort during your shift, it's going to be very hard for you to play. So that's a big, big thing. And, and they know that they're, that, you know, that's going to be, if, if there's one or two reasons why you might not play for us. And that is one of them. Probably the other is if, you know, you're not a good teammate, you don't work hard. Um, otherwise we recruit players that we feel like can go out there and help us in our current style of play. And so um, I think they take that part seriously, you know, from August until October, our kids are working really hard um, to get in shape. And to to be physically fit 
and and so you know it's a big big part of it um, i think in the fall for any basketball team is the conditioning element uh off the court because you know you want to be ready when october 15th comes around and then probably one of the other things that we do is we do a boot camp um you know and we call it camp five and it's a week of 5 a.m workouts where you know our kids are up and it's zero zero basketball stuff but they're conditioning hard 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 conditioning and and we've researched that stuff we've talked to a lot of different coaches who do boot camps and come up with different ideas but there's this uh shared suffering that goes on during that week where they're getting stronger as a group and and, and it's kind of the culmination of the work that they've done in the preseason with strength coach and so on um as we lead into official practice and and so there is a heavy element on that um, I would say we probably don't run as much during the actual season, you know, October to March when we're in practice because we practice at such a high tempo and there's a big scrimmage element to what we're doing. And so we feel like our kids are getting enough work in, you know, early, early, like before we start playing, people will run at the end and everything. But once we get into games and you're playing, you know, Friday, Saturday, and then you got to you know, turn around and leave the next Thursday, you know, we might have one or two really hard days in there, but if you practice right, you, know, you don't really have to spend as much time on that um, as far as the running and everything goes. And I think our kids know that um, they might disagree with me and that they, they probably run more than I remember, but um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty heavy element to it. And um, you know, we preach about staying hydrated and, and, you know, even though you're on a college campus with, you know, cafeteria and maybe not limited meal options, but certainly you're not cooking for yourself about making good choices as far as as what you're eating and and and, and everything like that. You know, I think I'll go into it, uh, you know, but but by and large, our kids are pretty serious about it and they, and they try to make good choices in all of those areas. And, and so, you know, but it's, the fitness is such a huge aspect to it, I think, to really be in in any college program, but especially for us. So uh, we kind of wanted to get into a little bit of, you know, within the system, um, you had 13 players last year that played in double digit minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, do you ever have conversations where players come to you and, and, you know, you kind of in the last answer talked about, you know, they all know they're part of it, but do you ever have players that are like, coach, I could play a little bit more or, Coach, I know there's a, there was only the the thirty second one minute run with this group. I can play a little bit more. Do you ever have those those kids that would just want to play a little bit longer than their shift? We do, um, you know, and they're and they're always positive conversations. You know, I think they all they, and they all understand why we sub the way that we sub um, because they also will tell us that when your shift goes too long, it's one of the worst feelings because then you're out there and you're not able to press effectively and so on, but we do have some kids that are capable of going longer than the shift. And, and I think as we grow and evolve in the system, we, we have to, as coaches, keep looking for ways to keep our, our best players on the floor a little bit more um, because we balance our shifts out. So very, very rarely are our top five or seven guys getting, you know, getting run together. Um, we have kids who joke about uh, never getting to play with another kid on the team for a whole season and, and so on like that. And, and um, you know, while they understand it, I don't think they're, I don't think they're wrong 
to want those extra couple of minutes, um, you know, or to want our top five guys to be on the floor. And I think what it forces Alan and I to do a little bit is, is to evaluate different ways that we can do lineups. Um, you know, especially, you know, and, and it's worked for us by and large, you know, we, we've made significant improvements um, to go from five wins the first year to 13 in the second year um, and so on. And, and so it, it gives us things to look at, things to evaluate um, just like anything else. And, 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 you know, I'm happy that we have the type of relationships with our players that they feel like they can, you know, come and sit down and have those conversations, um, you know, and, and so, you know, like, as, like I said, as we learn the system better and, and, and figure out different ways to do things, you know, we're always tweaking and trying to find what, what fits best with each group that we have. I think the one thing that, and we haven't heard this yet, but I know um, other system coaches had, have heard is if a player were to come in and say, you know, coach, I'm averaging 10 points a game and in 13 minutes. So I played 26 minutes, I'd average you know, 20. And that's not really how it works because if you play 26 minutes, we wouldn't be in the system. And, and, and so, you know, I think everyone understands that, but I do think that getting our best kids on the floor together more is something that we've got to look at and, and, you know, just figuring out ways to keep, guys on just a little bit longer it's such a fine line though because you could say hey we want to keep someone on for 30 seconds longer but it's it's really funny how quickly that 30 seconds can turn into a, an extra minute if there's not a whistle and then you've kind of hurt that that kid for their next shift and so there's a lot of yeah we could do that but you know you got to think about this and and so um but there's teams who do that a lot of different ways um, who sub different ways, you know, they just, you know, instead of doing shifts, they just sub and, 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 you know, so far the shifting is what, what we've been most comfortable with. But like I say, you know, we look at everything um, and we want to do what's best for our roster too. I think it's sometimes it might depend on how many kids we're going to play too. Um, you know, yet last year we played 15 this year, you know, we hope it's 15 again. Um, but if not enough kids have earned that, that, that opportunity, then we play 13 or 12 and then you'll see, some minutes go up for some guys as well. Whereas if maybe it wouldn't be 15 extra seconds in a shift, but it might be two, three extra minutes over the course of a game um, because we're playing less people. So, um, you know, we evaluate it all as we go and we'll see, but yeah, interesting because we have had those conversations. Uh, I want to do one new quick follow-up before I get to the next one. So within those shifts then, like, are you looking for a certain dynamic? Like I need, two of these type of guys, one of these type of guys, you know what I mean? To kind of make sure. it, you know, balance it out and have kind of the flow you want, or, or right. are you, or are you saying, well, I think these guys play together, you know, how do you kind of balance those shifts then? Uh, so, you know, we got to have a, a strong point guard in each shift, number one. And I feel like we've been really fortunate to have that, you know, we've got a great one in, in senior Alex Lewis coming back who, who, just really gets how to how to run her shift without us having to say anything. She knows who's on the floor with her, who needs the ball where, um, and what their strengths are. Um, you know, and that that type of senior leadership is is hard to replace. Um, we got to have shooting on the floor to space the floor, and I feel like we've got to have at least one or two kids that can rack it as well. And then we've played a lot of four out one in, so we've had a five on the floor 
with our groups um, over the last two years. And I think we still continue, will continue to do that. Um, and our fives for us are probably, you know, fours that can play inside a little bit, but you've got to be able to run the floor. You've got to be able to be at the top of our press. Um, you've got to be a super high energy guy. And so, um, you know, that's, that's really, we, and so, and we try to balance it out. So there's not a whole lot of drop off from one shift to the next, as opposed to, Hey, this is our starting five. And these are the next five. It's really, we try to tell our kids, if you're in that top 10, you're pretty much starting um, because you have a group that'll be out there for the tip, but then at nine, nine fifteen in that first quarter, someone's going to the table um, to get in the game. And, and so, you know, that, that's really what we talk about. Just having that balance, got to have someone that can score it. Um, you know, and then we feel like we've got a, a ton of talent. Um, we had great talent last year. I think we might even have more this year as far as guys that can shoot it. You know, a few guys that can get their own shot, guys that can get to the rim off of closeouts. And I think we're deeper at the point guard spot. Um, we'll probably run some more five out this year um, just because our fives are mobile and I think they can do more. And, and you know, we feel like sometimes when they're roaming the baseline um, in that dribble drive offense that, they get lost a little bit sometimes and we want to give them some opportunities to get touches. So. <clears throat> All right. So let's take that now outside of playing and, and, and recruiting, right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned you're kind of the genesis of going to the system <laughs> was that you didn't really have a true post, right. You had right. graduated a post. Um, so when you're, when you're going out and looking for recruits, like kind of, you know, now that you've gone this, what are you looking for? Like, what are some of the characteristics you're looking for in a, in a player? Um, you know, maybe besides, obviously, you got to be able to shoot it, right? And, and things right. like that. But maybe some of the outside-the-box things that would lend to fitting into your system. Sure. Well, you know, I, and I, I say as far as posts go, you know, Emily Olsen could have played in the system. I mean, she was mobile, athletic, could run all day long. Um you know, I don't think she would have liked it as much because, you know, she was a great back to the basket, you know, great passer too. So we wanted the ball in her hands because she was one of our best decision makers too. Um, but if we can find, you know, people like that, then I think it's worth our, our time to, you know, to install some more post-ups into our offense, but she would have been terrific in any system. Um, and, uh, but when we're looking now, um, I think it opens recruiting up for us even more because you know there's very very few kids like an emily olsen out there that are six two that can go get you a basket and so on um excuse me um i think there's so many more <coughs> guards and forwards out there that <coughs> don't get a chance because there's just more of them and so we feel like it's opened things up for us but you know, we always are looking for high motor kids, <clears throat> kids that always seem to be around the basketball. I mean, when you watch them play enough, you can kind of figure out who they are and, you know, the million kids out there that can shoot it, that can get to the rim, that have a good basketball IQ that are just looking for an opportunity. And so, you know, bonus points for us, if you're a kid that dives on the floor, if you're a kid that takes charges, just like with anybody, um, but that motor is so huge. And, and, and I think the more versatile you are, can you, 
can you shoot it and drive it? Um, you know, are you able to, you know, find open teammates when defense collapses on you? And, 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 and I think maybe outside of basketball, most important is you know, what kind of teammate in person are you? Because we really, I think, have a pretty great team culture, team environment right now with a lot of guys that like to have a good time that want to work hard at basketball and, and make it enjoyable and, and, um, you know, bringing in someone that's talented that maybe isn't coachable to that mix isn't going to work for us. Um, you know, I've learned that lesson the hard way too many times. And, and, uh, you know, so we really are mindful of that as well, but, you know, I think, you know, being in division three, you know, it's also got to be an academic and financial component, obviously, but, you know, we go through the process with people and try to figure that out. And, and I think the idea of the way that we play is appealing to people. Um, you know, five of our freshmen last year, I think were double digit minute guys. And, you know, that to be able to tell kids that, you know, if you were to come here, you know, unless you don't work hard, unless you're a bad teammate, unless you're not in shape, like you're probably going to have an opportunity to be on the floor from your freshman year until your senior year and, 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 how quickly they'll develop and how much more involved they'll feel. Um, you know, th those are all things that have helped us in recruiting tremendously, I think. So before we move on to our last two segments, I wanted to touch on for, you know, our <laughs> coaches that are out there listening, um, you know, what are, what are some things, you know, maybe they're not ready to go uh, right from traditional all the way to fully bought in. Um, right. but maybe what are some things they can do, to kind of start to implement the system with their, with their players? Um, well, I think pressing is big. Um, you know, I think that's a, a really big one. If you're not going to turn the offense over to your players as much, I think, you know, the press, the press can create extra opportunities for you. Um, I can tell you this, if I was going to coach high school basketball again, I would run the system. Um, now I went to a, a high school with 4,000, kids. So we had a lot of people um, playing basketball there. And, but I can just kind of picture this if, if I was ever going to coach in high school and I was at a bigger high school and we had enough kids in the program to have a varsity and a JV and maybe even a freshman team, um, we, we'd be running the system. And I would do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, if you can force 33 turnovers per game in a college basketball game, I think you can force more in high school. Um, <clears throat> number two, you know, the involvement of the players and, and, and I know in speaking with a lot of high school coaches, you know, just the, you know, how, how many kids make it through all four years. Um, but having those kids involved playing from their freshman year on, you know, getting used to that mindset to shooting the basketball, um, and making decisions, you know, to me. I think it's a fun way to play. And then if I'm at a big high school, I'm selling the heck out of that to our student section, you know, and trying to figure out some, some type of way, you know, we, we talk about here um, and we didn't do it as much last year as we did the first year, like six or seven times and score over a hundred points. Can we partner up with a local business for, for something for the people that come to the game, just anything to promote it. So it's easy to promote. It's different. Um, you're going to see a lot of back and forth action. Um, but the, and, and so I'd start with pressing, I think, for me. But the one thing that that I really believe is if you're going to be a system team, you've got to all, be all in 
on it. Um, because, you know, we've started other years when we played the way we used to play and we'd say, okay, we want to play faster this year. So that means we want our fours to get it out quick and our ones to get it on the run. And inevitably we'd walk the ball up or jog the ball up and get set. It's just, I've never had success personally coaching a group that, Hey, we're going to fly it up and then we're going to run offense. Um, but for some reason, just the way we play, like we, we pick that part up quick, our fours get it out, our ones get it up. And we're up the floor in a hurry. And, and so I think you've got to be all in on it. You know, that's my stance is that it's, it's very hard to do in pieces. Um, you can be a press team and in, in a, in an offense, you know, more of a ball control team offensively, I, I suppose. But I, I, if I was a high school coach, I'd be all in on it. I mean, and I, that's because I'm all in on it now. I, I don't know if I would have said that three years ago, but, I love it. It's been re-energizing, I think, for me and for, you know, my assistant, Alan McGowan. It's been, re you know, re-energizing for both of us after being two guys that have done the same thing, type or the same type of thing for so long. Um, it's fun. It's fun to start practice and shoot. Um, we spend at least 30 minutes a day shooting. We turn music on. I think the kids love it um, because shooting is such a priority. And we never used to spend that much time. And I don't even have a good reason why other than we spent so much time breaking things down defensively and running offense and doing all this stuff. And now we're, we're shooting um, our game day shoot arounds basically just coming in, turning on music, getting shots. You know, we, we scout press offense and we scout baseline out of bounds and we don't look at anything else anymore, which is also, it's kind of nice um, to not be up till two in the morning the night before a game. And it makes it sound like we're not working as hard, which isn't true. I think we're just focusing our energies in other areas, but I'm all in if I'm a high school coach. Um, you know, that's, that's my probably number one and number two would be working on being aggressive and pressing. So as we get into our last two segments, uh, we call this one 30 second timeout. It's your, your platform to kind of discuss whatever you want. Uh, whether it be family or your program or something you want our listeners to know or turn it on us and ask us a question. This segment, you're kind of the driver. Right, well, I don't think I have very much here. I know, you know, I think probably just a couple of things. Number one is, you know, I think a big, big shout out to our players over the last two years for buying into doing something completely different, especially for the ones that had been with us for a couple of seasons doing what we did before, because all of a sudden you're heading into, and, and I think that the, the girls um, <clears throat> probably that were the seniors for us the last three years or two years, Leah Middleton, Cassidy Quintana and Josie Wannemuller, they were all rotation guys in our triangle offense and they're moving into their senior and junior year. And we make this great change. And, you know, then we've had these conversations about, you know, it's like they're a freshman again, because not like there's a single drill that they can say, oh, all right, I know what I'm doing. You know, I can help the younger kids to learn or just look like I know what I'm doing. And, and, and to those kids for buying in and doing something completely different on the backside of their careers, I think was one of the big reasons why we've been as successful as we've, as we've been. And, and, you know, one of our girls, uh, Cassidy Quintana, who was a senior last year, she was a film and media major and she did for her senior project a documentary it's like 15 minutes long it's about the switch that we made and and um it's on youtube she uh 
did player interviews and filmed had people filming at different practices and in the locker room before and after games and everything and so she put this film together and it's really interesting because you do get a little, a little bit of the player perspective as far as the as the system goes and it's different than the coach perspective as it should be um but you know i think those kids really helped just launch us into a new era of basketball and they could have they could have you know, i've heard of system coaches who had to switch because their players you know don't buy into it and, and i think we have great kids in our program so a shout out to those guys but really just to our players for making it fun and for working hard to to do something that they didn't do in high school and no one's really played like this um you know until they got here so that that's a big one and i think also to just the community of of system coaches is uh really opening um you know there's we're we're a you know i don't even know if i'm a we if i'm part of the we yet because some of those guys have been doing it for a long time but I've, I've found those guys to be really open to sharing and and just excited that there's another one of them out there maybe um and 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 that was a perk for us as we started to make the decision to switch to the system is guys like doug porter and mark hart um you know and 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 all of the coaches in the system basketball community who were so opening uh of their arms to us and 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 help helpful with answering different questions and then probably lastly, uh, you know, you know, being a coach's wife is never easy. I don't know if this is shout outs, 30 second shout outs, I guess. But, um, you know, my wife has, you know, I think she's enjoyed the system more as well. She says I'm happier when I come home. I'm not I'm not quite as stressed about everything. But just being a coach's wife in general, you know, I think <clears throat> is is maybe one of the toughest things that, you know, a person could have to do because. You know, you know, there's times when you're in the middle of the season and you're at home, but you're not actually mentally at home. Your your mind is elsewhere and and your energies are elsewhere. And and, you know, to have the patience and 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 love that she has for me, you know, I'm a pretty lucky guy. So I get to do what I love and, you know, kind of found, you know, a second chapter of a coaching career, just doing something completely different with people that that, you know, I love to be around and and everything has been really special. So that's my 32nd time out. Love it. That's totally awesome. All right. So now we're going to flip the script a little bit, uh, have a little fun, uh, quick hitters, throw random questions at you, answer them however you, however you feel best here. Okay. Uh, your favorite food in Alabama, maybe something unique, maybe an Alabama thing or in your area that sure, like, I got to I got to have this, you know what I mean? I'll pump Birmingham here. Birmingham has a, a great restaurant and food scene. Um, so if you're a foodie, you know, Birmingham is a great place to be. Um, and I'm from Houston. It's not that Houston isn't, but Houston is so big, you know, you'd have to drive for 45, 50 minutes to hit some of those restaurants. And in Birmingham, you can get pretty much anywhere in 20 minutes. So I'm going to say two different things. Number one, something that I really wasn't familiar with when we moved to Birmingham was the white barbecue sauce. Um, as opposed to your traditional barbecue sauces. And it's like a vinegar base. It's good on chicken. It's good on pork. It's really good. Um, you know, so that was something that I wasn't familiar with. But then, you know, as far as like a local restaurant, um, you know, my wife and I, we love going to Automatic Seafood, which is um, just a couple of years old, maybe four years old. I don't, I don't, I don't know for sure. But I know their, their chef is a James Beard Award winner. You know, we love a good seafood restaurant. Um, and it's not too far from the house. So, 
Um, you know, but yeah, ooh, going out to eat and eating in Alabama and Birmingham period has been just top notch. We love it. Well, now I'm hungry. Um, all right. So you're, uh, for you growing up, your favorite basketball team to watch or be a fan of? Well, I'm going to go with my Houston Rockets. Uh, but that, those, that's not the team that got me into basketball. You know, I talk about the Rockets. I talk about the, the Clutch City, Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, back-to-back champion Rockets. Maybe some of the best times I've ever had watching basketball with my dad and my friends um, growing up. And I was in high school when all that was going on. But, um, you know, before that, it was Celtics, Lakers. Um, you know, uh, that rivalry is what got me into basketball at, at a young age. And, and uh, you know, it's still fascinated by all of it anytime something new comes out about it you know i think i've heard all the stories but but i'll, I'll read it i'll watch it um and, and and those guys were you know the reason why i fell in love with basketball all right your first jersey you owned as a kid and it could be any sport i don't know if i owned too many jerseys i don't was that was that a thing in the in the 80s as much uh I think we probably had caricature t-shirts. Um, yes, right. Yeah. Um, the big like Looney Tunes, the Looney Tunes and. Uh, yeah, that. you know, that type of stuff. Um, anything Magic or Larry. Um, anything Magic or Larry. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, that rivalry was what got me into basketball. But anything with those two guys, um, you know, is absolutely fascinating to me just because of what they did for, for basketball. Um, you know, man, watching those guys play, you know, growing up was, was something else. And, you know, maybe the first actual Jersey that I owned was Mario Ellie oh. from Houston Rockets. Um, I remember getting that for Christmas good one. Good one. and, and, you know, loved what he brought to the team, you know, so it wasn't always just like about like those big name guys, you know, I had my Mario Ellie Jersey and I wore it proudly. And, uh, you know, Mario was this guy that brought toughness and defense to the Rockets. And, uh, you know, I just remember loving watching those guys play. So outside of Magic and Larry and, and obviously, you know, Michael Jordan. But, um, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon and the Houston Rockets, whew, that, those were some years. All right. So if you had the opportunity, would you rather go in a rocket to space or submarine underwater? Definitely a rocket to space. Uh I think that I had a stretch there where I was in elementary school. I wanted to be an astronaut. Um, I might never make it off the launch pad. I can't do roller coasters or anything. So I don't know why I'd say that, but <laughs> if I could get there, I think that would be really cool. <clears throat> uh, all right. Uh, camping or like stay in a fancy hotel, like five-star big time hotel. <clears throat> I mean, I think, you know, definitely the, the nice hotel, um, you know, the camping is, you know, I, I'll i say this, I'll stay wherever to do something really neat. Um, and, and as far as, you know, so to me, it's about where you're going. So, you know, if it means that I can go to the beach, but I got to stay at, you know, a, a, a motel, I'm in. Um, and, and, and really, I can't, those five-star hotels are so hard to find. And we stay in great places on the road, you know, comfort suites, holiday and express. So if I can go do that and it gives me more money to be able to go to like whatever it, it is, hmm. I remember going to some really neat coaching clinics and staying at some really bad places so I could do it. Yes. Um, yes. And, uh, 
and, and, and just doing what we can afford. But I know a nice hotel, man, that's hard to beat. We've all had those uh, road trips where you show up and you're like, oh boy. Yeah. Here we are. Now, are we camping, camping, or are we, what do they call it, glamping? Or are we staying in like a really nice motorhome or what? Oh, are we no, I, I think we're, uh, if we're going fancy uh, hotel. I think we're rustically camping. I think it's yeah. the opposite. I probably should say camping because we made our, our players camp out as part of our boot camp last <laughs> yeah. year. So for if them, you, if you say five star hotel, they're probably going to be, they're not going to be happy to hear about yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, if you say five star hotel, they're going to be like, coach, what, we got to, we got to up our uh, road trip yeah. game here. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'd make five-star hotel money, but <laughs> I do make good, good, you know, comfort suite money. There you go. All right. So last one, favorite class you either took as an undergrad or either of your master's degrees, just a class you remember you really enjoyed. Um, you know, oddly enough, the one I probably enjoyed the most was a freshman year kind of a writing class where we got to be a little bit creative um and that was a while back but I enjoyed that class and probably the one we talk about the most now that I'm out of college was you know in my undergrad degree everyone was required to take a fine fine art class and and and, you know all the the good art classes were taken so I ended up in dance um at the University of Houston and and you know I just remember our final project having to be a uh you know we had to do a presentation for the class and you know, my group was ambitious. We chose Thriller, um, and we had some great people in that group. I don't keep up with any of them, um, but uh, you know, just doing something like that is so far out of character for me. I'm not a dancer, um, but we got an A, and, and that's the sort. That's the class we probably talk about the most. But the favorite had to be, you know, freshman year writing. So you didn't pick up any moves or anything, Coach. You didn't. You didn't. You got. You no. got nothing. Um, bad. Really I agree bad. with you. I, I got nothing either. But well, coach, we we really appreciate it. We've had we've had a couple of system coaches on, and I, and I feel like every time we talk to someone, we learn something new or or kind of get a different perspective on it. So we're 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 really appreciative of you jumping on. It, it was so fun to talk to you, and uh, you know, um, I encourage all of our listeners to to kind of get to know get to know your program and and learn something learn something new or or improve on on what they're doing. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast hosted by Todd Zazadil and John Flicky. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout or subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. For show inquiries, you can email us at afterthetimeout at gmail.com. You can find all of our previous episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts by searching After the Timeout. We appreciate you listening. Tune in next time for more coaching content in-game, out of the game, and anything in between.